Mana 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 this is social discasting welcome to social discasting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is a stand-up comedian and television writer who's been a staff writer on such shows as norm mcdonald live and the late late show with james corden and has been the head writer on lights out with david spade and a little late with lonely singh please welcome sean o'connor welcome hey what's up dude hey Thank you for being on. I really appreciate it. No problem. I didn't know you, you, so you just go by Brandon. Yes. That is, you know, I I think I've never, Brandon's such a, I know so many Brandons. It's, I think it's so confident to be like, I'm the Brandon. Yeah. You know, I feel like maybe, um, maybe nobody's planning to flag in that as being like (laughs) the preeminent Brandon. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if I just act as if. People would just be like, okay, I mean, somebody must have anointed him as the Brandon, or, because nobody would be brazen enough to self-appoint themselves the Brandon, right? So, yeah, right. I guess they just think I have, like, a framed certificate on the wall, you know, anointing me the, the flag bearer of this particular name. I don't know. Yeah, you are Brandon. I think that's, I mean, that's good branding. Brandoning, yeah. You yeah, know? Brandoning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the uh, the very first question, how are you? Uh, you know, I'm okay i think like i uh i went a bit nuts at the beginning of all this and like basically it's like real depressed and then i just started uh i gave up smoking and i started eating healthy and i started working out every day and i like Mm -hmm. lost a bunch of weight so in a way i'm more positive i feel better right now but yeah this is this year has been real fucking weird (laughs) It really has. I know exactly what you mean, though. Like, I went through the same thing of, I'm in a weird position where this all feels like a blur, and yet, when you tell me it's October, my brain is also like, it's already October, and I can't reconcile those two things, because it feels like it's been five years, and yet I don't know how it's as late as it is at the same time. Yeah, it makes it makes no sense. Like, it, the, this, uh, the fact that we uh, have all just, like, given up an entire year of our lives <laughs> yeah. is... It's something that I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around of, like, when when will that really set in? Because, like, like I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel, man, yeah, this whole thing, it's it's great that you have this podcast because I feel like enough, we no one kind of talks about how yeah. they're feeling about all this. <laughs> like, they're all just like, oh, we, we don't want to talk about COVID because that's, like, an ever-present, like, it's like, oh, constantly looming over us at all times. But I'm like, oh, man, I want to talk about COVID all the time. There's nothing more interesting to me than COVID. I remember very specifically in February when COVID was very funny to me. And <laughs> yeah. I had no idea it was going to just completely take a full year of my life. Well, I mean, even at that beginning, to your point, like, end of February or whenever it was, it was so, like... It wasn't a thing yet. I mean, it was a thing, but it wasn't a thing. And so it was just the idea of like, this is wild. And, you know, even when people were like, we're all just going to take a little time off. It's going to be over. And we thought it'd be just a matter of a handful of weeks or something. We had no idea. And so it's been such a blur. And yet it feels like it was yesterday, but it feels like it's been five years. It just it's just all so unfathomable to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's 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 kind of weird to think back and like in February and early March, like I was on Lights Out with David Spade and we were we were basically we watched as every day the monologue just turned into more and more COVID. Like yeah. we were just every single 
it was like a topic but then it became wait they're canceling the ncaa's now it's like the whole show and then they canceled our show and we were like oh wow that really it happened so quick and i remember i very much remember this video that we we thought was so funny it was like this the czar of medicine in like i think iraq talking about how COVID's not a big deal as he's like sweating profusely because oh, he yeah. had it. Yeah. And like, I, and we were all like, it's like a movie. And then now we found out that it that's as much as like a movie it will ever be because really it's boring what this is. We're just like locked in our house. That's not a, it's not like a movie. That movie would suck. Yeah, no, it's the least cinematic thing. Yeah. Early on, and it feels like such a cliche now, but I watched, you know, Contagion within the first month. And this was before it got to that point where it was like processing like the shock of what this is and then it's continuing. It's like, oh, fuck, this is what life is now. But even then, Contagion, it felt like uh, this is only making it feel less real because it's such a real life version of a thing I've only seen in movies. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. How is it where you are? Like, what? What did anything change drastically? There's like nothing changed drastically for anywhere really, but it definitely is people just like annoyed by having to be being told what to do on any level. I don't know. Our big thing is that we're doing what everybody in every other city has done for years, which is like, hey, you can now get takeout from every restaurant. Like that's the real big change. Honestly, it's not anything. Which, by the way, I think. I think that rules. Like I'm a oh, I love fan. it. Yeah, I think that's great. The crazy, the crazy thing to me is like so. As I've been walking around my neighborhood more, I live in a part of LA that is it's more it's like not technically LA city, so it's like kind of its own city, Glendale. Okay. And as I've been walking a lot, I walk past like a hookah bar, which I used to walk past, and it was always empty, and now it is packed. Which is like, it's weird that like people in this area have decided to take up hookah during during a pandemic. Like the grossest thing in the whole world. Like let's all just share a mouth hose. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it's it's not even a thing with the South. I think everywhere, everyone everywhere is just kind of like, you're either worried about it a lot or you're worried about it and don't want to admit that you're worried about it. Yeah, you know, I do think that, um, I've talked about it before in here, but I do think that, like, when you see people having just shit fits on video, people just being, like, angry and livid and just, and violently racist in a lot of them, unfortunately, (laughs) and that would happen either way, but it's like, they're getting there because they're fucking freaking out because they've either lost any sense of control or the illusion of control, and they cannot handle it. Totally. And by the way, I get that. I don't subscribe to it, and certainly not in that way on any level, but I can see how they got there. And also, they're like, a lot of people that, like, distract themselves by either being workaholics or just doing things to keep themselves from having to think about things they've been putting off for a long time have less of a way to do that now. And so it's fucking a lot of people up, and I totally get it. Yeah, like, that. I, I don't understand anyone who... I have, like, friends who are, like, actually work, like, getting shit done, like, creatively. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, no, this is, like, this is, like, a time to, like, reset. Like, I, it's hard to be creative right now because, like, it's also, it's just fucking weird. The The whole thing is just weird. But, like, yeah, like, I don't remember what the world was like. Uh, I'm kind of narrow-minded in that way. And I don't know if we're ever going to go back to normal. So it's like, what's the point of writing something when you don't remember and it might not be the same? Yeah. Yeah, it does feel like that. Um, And I never thought about this. 
I feel like that nostalgia, the whatever the unofficial definition of how old something has to be to be able to be nostalgic about it, I feel like that whatever that time frame is is like been cut in half because of this because we're reminiscing about a year and a half ago. Totally, yeah. Like, I mean, yes. Uh, it's so yeah. I like the idea that we're reminiscing about like hanging out with people without masks. Like, yeah. My wife and I uh, are two like best our best couple friend we all got tested just so we could hang out without masks like indoors <laughs> yeah uh, and like that was that's so fucking stupid that i had to like wait in line put something up in my nose and that just to see a person well it's and what's funny though too is it's like you're having a test so you can just simulate quote-unquote normalcy yes that is insane but i get it though you know why because you want to you want to go back to something like that because it just feels like it was forever ago. And to your point, like for the future, it's going to be this, some form of this for a long time, presumably. I just don't right. know what, but uh, I guess the worst thing you could do is like try to go back to it, back to what it was like before this way too soon. And then we're just ebbing and flowing and just fucking up constantly. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's always the possibility of that. Like if, yeah. if there's anything I've learned through the last seven months is like, it's impossible to get 100% of people on board with one thing. But yeah, like, I think that's something that nobody wants to talk about enough other than like, uh, I guess people like us is that, <laughs> yeah, it's, this might be going on for like another year and a half. Like it's, it kind of sucks. Like, I don't want it, but me not talking about it doesn't make it not happen. So I might as well, like, try to grasp. I don't know. I can't live too far in the future in my head because I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring with all this shit. You know, let alone six months from now, it just feels like kind of an exercise in futility to even guess what this is going to be. But at the same time, my defensiveness does want to think about it enough to have some semblance of anticipation so I don't get just continually kicked in the dick for <laughs> all of this. Because it's like, I feel like all of this is so much already like a psychic kick in a dick as it is, you know. This is, it's yeah. wild. So you've been doing this podcast. My question, have you had anyone on that like, isn't adhering to the rules uh if they have nobody's told me and that's possible yeah because that's something that nobody wants to admit <laughs> oh no because like i felt my little brother like way too comfortable with like eating indoors and stuff like yeah. he he lives in pennsylvania and he's just like going for it he doesn't care he's just like yeah they i'm not i'm not giving up a full year i i, I mean fair i don't know what to say to that i mean yeah you know I don't want to either. I agree, but like, I don't want to get, but the idea of getting sick is one, is, I don't want that. But honestly, even more so, the idea of getting somebody else sick mortifies me and I couldn't live with myself if that happened. Right. The idea that like, potentially, because like, whatever, like, uh, odds are probably you and I, if we get it, we won't die. But the fact that we could pass it on and potentially murder someone, it's murder. We could say it's murder. Yeah, no, it, it is, for sure. I've driven over a squirrel one time, and I felt, it bo It still bothers me, and it happened like seven years ago. So, what, a, what, a human? 100%. I agree with fuck that. Fuck me, dude, no. I, I would never recover from that on, on some level, and probably a major level. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, like, just thinking the idea that, like, potentially I murdered someone because I wanted to get half-priced appetizers at Applebee's, like... Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> no, it's like, yeah, I indirectly or directly murdered somebody because I wanted to fucking bloom an onion. <laughs> it was, I was, a, it was an off day, 
and I was just really wanting to indulge, and I just could not help myself. And somebody's dead because of me. Yeah. Like, oh, no. Even now, just thinking about the idea of that, comedic or otherwise, gives me anxiety. No, never. I could never do that. Man, you're a good guy. You're a good guy. <laughs> the, the world needs more of you. I guess I'm just trying to convert convert people one podcast episode at a time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I did want to ask you something. You worked on a show, wrote on a show that is... I love the show so much, and it was seems like one of the most almost DIY low budget shows out there, and not enough people watch it anyway. And I wish it still existed, or at least got a second season. And that's the Ben Show with Ben Hoffman. Oh wow! Wow, love that I, show. yeah, that show ruled. Yeah, uh, I wish I knew what. Ha- I mean, I kind of know what happened. They premiered yeah. us w- with Nathan for you, and uh, like of the night of like hosts that don't look people in the eyes and people just <laughs> kind of gravitated to nathan which makes sense nathan for you is like a great show but yeah, yeah ben show was like so fun and it was so weird and like it was like a dark sketch show that also did like really it was actually like some of the meanest pranks i think <laughs> that have ever amazing. been pulled on tv yeah but it's it was so like interesting and innovative and and truly like different and i, I thought it was so funny Oh, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, that show, I really feel like nobody watched it. Which is confusing because I feel like, I don't know if maybe it's a thing where maybe it was ahead of its time or, or something because it feels like, I don't know why it wasn't wasn't successful. And I rewatched multiple like bits today just to reacquaint myself because it's been a minute since I've watched them. And they're still so fucking funny. And that was six years ago. Yeah, man, I... That show was like one of the most fun shows to work on because it was there was no message behind anything. It was just like truly like what's the funniest thing we could do each time. (laughs) And and Ben, Ben is like a genius, but he's also maybe a little bit sociopathic who like would just let us go as far as we possibly could with things. (laughs) Uh, And like I remember very specifically one thing that did in there. It was crazy. It was the show called kids morgue where (laughs) it was like a fake tv show where ben was a coroner at a morgue that only specialized in children uh and like we filmed it and then we also filmed a spin-off which was kids morgue which was a morgue run by children uh (laughs) and then there was kids morgue which is kid from kid and play uh has his own morgue so there was three shows that would air in this episode as a runner. And we were all excited. It was so funny. We all think it was the funniest thing in the world. And then school shootings started happening all the time. And uh, yeah, Viacom pulled the plug pretty quick on that sketch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, fair enough. And and like, I mean, we had a great defense. Technically, we've killed the kids in a bus accident. Like, so is it really that bad? But, uh, yeah, apparently you can't do that. <laughs> well, that's very indicative of... It's like a depraved silliness about it that the Venn diagram of just absolute silliness juxtaposed against, I don't frankly, chaos is so funny to me. Like, I laughed so hard watching that show. Oh, absolutely. Like, one of my favorite things I ever wrote was on that show, which was, like, Fat Kyle. I uh, watched that just a minute ago. It's so funny. Yeah, I love Fat Kyle. Like that that is exactly why writing on that show was awesome. Is I, I feel like I, if I pitched that anywhere else, 
there's no way it's getting on TV. But when I pitched it there, Ben was like, I know the perfect fat guy for that role. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. I've got our Kyle. Yeah, it was. That's amazing. I I am um, I imagine too that that's there to your point like I don't suspect many if any rooms would have the balls to pitch something like that unless you were in a room where you clearly had the green light to do so. No, I I mean it was in it was insane. I very much remember when like uh the network execs came to our office and like Ben was like pitching them what we were filming. They only <laughs> said no to one thing, but the fact that Ben pitched the one thing to like the head of Comedy Central just shows like how insane Ben was. It was yeah. a bit called Pussy or Parsley. And <laughs> it was, he's like, so we bring an old guy out and we shove his face into a plate and he has to guess if it was Pussy or Parsley. And like, <laughs> Comedy Central was just like, yeah, we're, that's not a thing we're going to do on the <laughs> network. Okay, so our official uh, question is, wait, what? Yeah, it really was. It was insane. It was one of the, it was so funny that he pitched that. I mean, talk about a truly, like, maybe to a fault, fearless leader. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That was a fun time. That was, uh, I had worked on this show that I didn't like right before it. And it Mm -hmm. was like, it was the perfect show for like that time for me, like where I'm just like, it was, uh, yeah, I really miss working on that show because it was just it was like four months of just the dumbest pitches ever that <laughs> every day we just laughed a ton. That's so fun. You and I have, and this is not like unique to us only by any stretch, but you and I are both like massive film lovers. And one of your favorite movies, at least according to Letterbox, is a, a movie that I absolutely love. And I guess it's kind of had a relative resurgence, which is Sorcerer. Yes. It is so good. It fucking rolls so hard. Like, I like uh, Wages of Fear, too, but, like, Sorcerer does that, like, amazing thing of showing you how all of those guys got down on their luck enough to have to to move there. And it's, an, I, it's so good, and it's so efficiently done, too. I love really, that. That whole, uh, that whole montage is so good. So good. And that, that scene of, like, the terrorist, like, how he sh- uh, basically freaking, like, kind of shoots it like he's shooting, like, a documentary. Yeah. And I've never seen, like, a film do that. But I had never seen a film do that before. Yeah. That movie rules. And it's so tense. And the whole time it feels like an awful panic attack. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. It just builds and builds and builds and builds. And then at the end you're like, oh, fuck you. I know, you know, it's so interesting because like, a couple of things on that one. I love just the balls of freaking to be like, yeah, okay, I have a blank check here and I'm going to cash in my chips and I'm going to make my follow-up to The Exorcist. This movie about people driving down a mountain with nitroglycerin, I think it was, just the most yeah. fragile thing and the tension that builds. And guess what? It's going to star Roy Scheider for the yeah. most part. <laughs> yeah. What a choice. It was almost like he was seeing how much he could get away with. Because these are two true, like truly disparate things relative to The Exorcist. Like I, I just think that movie's amazing. But and Roy Scheider's an interesting person because, like, I don't know, he was such a great actor, and it felt like it's like a thing where it's like I don't see why he wasn't a movie star, but he just didn't have those qualities. He just was like an an alpha super, uh, supporting actor, I think. Yeah, he's kind of it's it's strange because like when you watch it, he's. He feels like he fits best in, like, realistic action. Yeah. Like, 
if he, if he was a decade younger, he would not have succeeded in the 80s. But, like, huh. in the 70s, like, he has a cop's body, so, like, he could fit that role pretty well. Like, there's, like, no muscle definition, but he's, like, in shape. And you you believe that he will beat a shark. You believe that he <laughs> knows his way around, like, a truck. Yeah, like, in French Connection, like, he seems like a New York street cop. That's, he does. His best quality is that he's just, like, a white, he feels like a white guy. <laughs> yeah, he's an everyman white guy. Yes. And and he's very good at it. So just the idea that he's in this ensemble of, like, these ragtag group of outcasts. They're just like, sure, I'll drive this nitroglycerin in a truck, and it's just going to be ratcheting up the tension. And it's that movie, just, it's so good. I love that it's, movie. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, I... I love shouting from the rooftops to people to watch Sorcerer. And so far, like, I don't think I've gotten anyone to ever watch Sorcerer. <laughs> it's, like, it's a weird thing. It's a tough sell, you know, when a, you when you dive into what it is. Yes. And I uh, here. But here's the thing. Like, I feel like I feel like people get hung up on the title and yeah. a little bit. And it's like, yeah, no, it's just like the name of a drug. It doesn't really matter. Like it, like just fucking watch it because it's you liked uncut gems like you're gonna like this it's 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 i know it's a two-hour panic attack that's it's there's so many people who have stolen from this watch it it's incredible but the wild thing is that the best and worst thing about it is the title because you say sorcerer and that is so evocative but then when you describe what amounts to guys that all retreat to south america or wherever and then drive nitroglycerin down a mountain it's just like oh that doesn't sound as dramatic as sexy as sorcerer would have you believe exactly and I, it's like no it's like way more dramatic like, than, <laughs> yeah. than any movie that should be called sorcerer it really is it's oh it's so good sorcerer sounds like like a shitty 80s movie like it sounds yeah. like it could be like it should be next to warlock or like oh like i watched excalibur and then sorcerer yeah exactly so like yeah Watch Sorcerer, the the good one. Another movie you did watch that I feel like is massively underrated because I just thought it's such a good movie. Actually, is Tucker a man in his dream? Dude, yeah, it's great. I loved it. It's so great because it it's so impressive in the way where it's like it's kind of like a a grounded rocketeer. It feels yes. like this rocketeer esque movie that's all about American ingenuity, and then it like it sucker punches you with this like anti-capitalism yeah. uh thing from the back like it's just like this this great trojan horse movie i loved it it's funny when you watch it i don't know who i would necessarily guess made that movie but coppola wouldn't be the first 10 people i guessed that dude lest we forget you know when he had a a bad run in the 80s or wherever and he kind of was on the precipice of going out of business or going bankrupt for a while but like that dude can fucking make movies what a filmmaker Oh my god. Yeah, no, Coppola might be... It's so crazy to say that he's underrated, but he has to be. Because, like, because the stuff in the 70s is, like, the best ever. Like, there's just... That four-movie run is just, like, untouchable. The Conversation is, like, one of my favorite movies ever, too. It's amazing. But then, like, in the 80s, like, people, like, clown on him, but, like, Tucker, A Man in His Dream is great. Rumblefish is great. Cotton Club is actually very interesting. I just watched that for the first time recently. 
and it's a performance film, which I had no idea what yeah. to expect from that. But yeah, it's really great. Yeah, it's kind of funny in a way. The fact that people clown on him for those that 80s run shows how good the 70s were. If anybody did that run or did one movie in that run and you did anything that was, you know, average to above average, those were so much higher than that. It's just like, yeah, fair enough. This is not as good, but that doesn't mean it's bad by any stretch because that's what, it's just not an all-timer. Well, guess what? That's what all films are, relatively speaking. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, he's the, the, it's the equivalent of, like, I look at Francis Ford Coppola the same as, like, Nolan Ryan, where, like, he lost his fastball. There's yeah. no doubt about it. But he found other ways to continue to do what he's always done. Look, I love Bram Stoker's Dracula so much. I enjoy the shit out of that movie. It is wild, and it just doesn't make any sense. But it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, Coppola always is... Ha- you could tell he's always having fun making a movie. I didn't want to ask you, who's your favorite filmmaker? Mm, probably Scorsese, I think. Yeah, it's a good pick. It's really, it's really hard. Like, it's definitely, like, I want to... Everyone, there's so many filmmakers, like, that have their, like, credentials that should... That I think of when I'm like, oh, who's the greatest of all time? But yeah. Scorsese, he's just been good forever. Yeah, and I rewatched probably four or five months ago just the batshit delightful lunacy that is Cape Fear. Oh my god. It's so fun. And man, De Niro is just going for it, just screaming at the rafters. And it's so fun to watch that movie. Yeah, he's having a great time, which like you don't really (laughs) see in like recent De Niro movies. Like he like full on commits went crazy like to get into shape and then when he takes like wild swings like him attaching himself to a car (laughs) (laughs) just even the watching the movie and behind nick nolte and his family with his arms out cigar smoking just screaming laughing like it's the funny thing he's ever seen like he went for it and to your point like in recent years, and there have been some ebbs and flows, but it feels like when he's in a movie sometimes, he just actively resents being in a movie. Yes. And he's like the type of actor that when he's on, like when he wants to be in something, it's like, yes. it's great. It's great every time he's excited to be in something. I agree. And it, you know what's interesting? I think about that too with older actors. And, you know, sometimes, you know, more than the Nero side, they kind of, they continue doing it because I guess they just don't know what their life is without making movies. And it sometimes feels like they don't necessarily want to, but it's just what they're used to doing. But then you have the, honestly, like Pacino or Anthony Hopkins, where they, they always bring their fastball every time. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, Pacino, Pacino goes for it in a movie like Jack and Jill. I respect the shit out of him for that too. Yeah, he's he's just he's he loves going for it. You know, Scorsese, the, the Irishman, where he is just Jimmy Hoffa, and he's just screaming his lines half the time. I'm, I mean, and I love that movie. And my only like major note on that is just the fact that like, you know, and it's not exactly an original idea, but it's, hey, yeah, you can use CGI to make De Niro, for example, look younger, but he still walks like a fucking old man. Yeah, and that, that's a and that's a bunny. That's a bummer. Is that you need maybe somebody to to do like a posture teacher or something because like very clearly he looked like unhappy. Yes, just in a miserable old man way. But I still love the movie. I thought it was great. Me too. It was. I mean, and that's 
that's the craziest thing is like Scorsese at 80 is still good. No shit. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Before we wrap it up, is there anything you want to point people toward? I mean, just uh, you could follow me on Twitter at Channel Cons, Letterboxd at Channel Cons. Then every Friday night on holdthephone.tv, we're doing charity, quiplash games. And uh, yeah, so that's every Friday night. That was really fun. And come and laugh in the chat room and uh, donate to some charity. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on. I really do appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is so fun. Thank you all for listening. Just please wear a mask, practice empathy, be kind to yourself, be kind to other people. And remember, it's okay to not be okay. Just be safe. Bye.